Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on March 27, 2022, on the basis of Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 33. I think most of you would probably agree with me that there is a difference between a house and a home. There's a distinction there. They say you can buy a house, but that doesn't make it a home. So what makes a house a home? I'm sure you'd all have maybe a a little different answer for that. Maybe a a home is a place where you feel safe, where you feel secure. Uh, Maybe a a home has a little bit of a personal touch, the the family pictures on the wall, your your own personal touch on the decor in the house. Uh, Maybe a, a home is where, where you've worked and you've maintained that, that home and then it became that a home for you because of the work that you've put into that, that home. Or could it be that that home is where your family is? Could it be that, that it, a house is made a home by the people that live there and by the people that visit there? Whatever your definition of, of home is, whatever makes a house a home for you, If it truly is a home, home is where you want to be. If it truly is a a home, then we can say like Dorothy, there is no place like home. But not everybody appreciates home. Home could be a safe and loving environment. It could be the greatest place in the world. And yet for whatever reason, home is still not appreciated which leads us pretty well into our gospel reading for today from Luke chapter 15. Here's the context here. Uh, Jesus is speaking with a crowd of people. And and as is kind of typical, we've come to to learn in the gospels, there are two kinds of people that he is speaking to in this this crowd. The the first are the the tax collectors and the sinners. That's how they're described. And we could put sinners in in quotation marks here, but, but these are, are people that have gained a reputation for themselves among the people around them based on their sin or based on their profession that, that many people associate sin with. Also in this crowd is another group of people, uh, the Pharisees, who were known among the community as being the, the upright ones. And so Jesus is speaking to both of these groups of people in this crowd, and he's speaking to them parables. Three of them, in fact. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the third one in our focus for this morning, the parable of the lost son, or as we know it, the parable of the prodigal son. Now, you hear that title, the prodigal son, and it's a singular noun, right? Just son. But really, there's, there's two sons in this story, and we'll, we'll talk about both of them this morning. But we'll start with the first one that is mentioned, the younger son. So this younger son comes to his father and he asks for his share of the estate. He's asking for his inheritance, which to us, you know, disrespectful maybe, right? But think about it for a second. When, When do you normally receive an inheritance? After someone dies, right? 
And so not only is this, this son asking for a good share of his father's wealth, but this son is also communicating to his father that he wishes he were dead. So we get a little glimpse into the, the heart of this youngest son. He, he really doesn't give much regard to his father. He doesn't really have the love, or at least he's not showing the love uh, to the father. And he really doesn't appreciate home at all. But in that moment, you also get a little glimpse into the father, don't you? The father did not yell, did not scream, did not force him to stay. He could have done all of those things, right? But instead, he gathers up his, his estate, which it couldn't have been that easy, right? It's not like he had a bag of cash laying in the back room that he could go grab and hand over to his son. Likely, like, like a lot of you, his inheritance for his son was tied up in his assets. So he either had to gather up all his possessions to send with his son, or he had to gather up his possessions to sell them. Either way, he does. He goes through all of that work and gives his portion of the inheritance to his son. And when his son receives that, shortly after that, he gathers it up and he leaves. He leaves this safe loving environment of home for life out there. Because certainly, life out there is going to be way better than life in his father's house, or at least that's what, what he thought. So, so you get a little glimpse into the heart of, of this young man, and we get another one, another glimpse into his heart with another detail that's shared here. He, he doesn't go to the neighboring city, does he? Where'd he go? He went to a distant country. He wants to get as far away from his father and as far away from his father's home as he possibly can because he's going to live life on his own terms here. Nobody's going to be looking over his shoulder. Nobody's going to be helping him make decisions. He's going to be able to do what he wants when he wants. He's going to be able to say yes to every single desire. And he's never going to have to hear the word no. And he does just that. It says he, he squandered his wealth on, on wild living. He, he never said no to anything. He said yes to every desire. And we know that that probably can't last for too long, right? He, he doesn't have an endless supply of, of money here. And sure enough, he, he runs out. He's running low on funds, and he probably would have been able to manage that. But at the same time, these two events kind of converge. Him running out of money... And a, a natural disaster coming into the region. A famine. A famine hits his, his land, something that he couldn't have predicted. But, but it kind of gives him a different outlook on, on life. He, he's not looking for life to be really good for him now. Now he's just hoping to survive. And he finds himself working for a, a farmer of sorts and working in his fields, feeding pigs, which for a presumably Jewish man, was the last place he thought he'd be. And the picture of desperation goes even further as we hear that, that he's so hungry that he just wants to be able to eat some of the food <laughs> that the pigs get to eat, yet he got none of that. At some point, you have to imagine that he stepped back and he thought, how in the world did I get here? My life used to be so good. When I lived in my father's home, I was taken care of. I didn't want for food at all. The work really wasn't that hard, and I was provided for. In fact, even my father's servants were provided for. 
And so he, he hatches this plan. Here's how he's going to, to come back. He's going to go back to his, his father, and he's going to offer to be one of his servants. He, he knows that he has probably lost the status of son. Uh, he's well aware of, of the mistakes he's made and the sin that he's committed. But he, he can ask to be a servant, and he'll be treated better than he's being treated right now. And you can kind of imagine him rehearsing his apology and his plan in his head, right? Because as he goes back, he's going to be nervous, He's going to be nervous to talk to the father. You would be if you were going back to the father under those circumstances. He's rehearsing in his head because he knows that, that the father has no reason to give him what he is asking for. This parable is, is great for a, a lot of reasons. It's great because it really takes little to no effort for us to apply some of these pictures to our, ourselves and our own heart. Right? Maybe some of that application may be kind of obvious for you. Maybe there was a time in your life when you walked away from God and his word. Maybe it wasn't a walk. Maybe it was more of a run. Uh, maybe there was a time in your life when, when you didn't really spend or think that spending time with God and his word was, was all that important. Maybe your walk away from God, it, it, maybe it wasn't as wild and crazy as this, this prodigal son, but it was a departure from your, your father's home, nonetheless. But even if the application is not all that obvious, maybe we can still make an application here. Maybe you've never walked away from, from God, or at least not that you can remember anyways, but, but maybe you've had a, a little subtle envy for people that have been able to live life on their own terms. A, a subtle envy for people that got to do what they want, when they wanted, that got to say yes to every desire and never have to hear the word no. Maybe you had that that envy. But still, if you're not there, we can really get to the heart of it here. Because by, by nature, whether we, we know it or not, whether we think about it or not, we are that younger son. Because every sin we commit is really a, a walk away from God. Every sin is a departure from his house. Every sin is saying, my way, not your way. God, and it's turning away from the Father. And we know by nature, that's us. We are the younger son. By nature, we don't want to be with the Father. But the story goes on. The story goes on, and the son decides to go back. And as he's still a good distance away, the father sees him. And before he even can say anything to him, he, he can barely make out who he is. It says that the father has compassion on him, and he does what no Jewish father would ever have done. He, he rolls up his clothes so he can run, and he runs to his son. And he wraps his arms around him, and he kisses him. And the son is still rehearsing his, his plan of what he's going to say in his head, and he only gets about half of it out. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. He didn't even get to bring up the part about being a servant in his house. And the father says, to his servants, go, go get the, my best robe and put it on him. Go get the family ring and put it on his finger and sandals and put it on his feet. That ring that he put on his finger signaled to the, to the son that he, he's not just going to be a servant. He's going to be a, a son. That, that's what his father is saying to him by giving him that, that ring. Then he tells the servants, go, go get the fattened calf and kill it because we're going to have a feast and a party. And as act one of this parable closes, 
he says in probably the most profound words of this whole parable, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What Jesus is trying to communicate to the crowd and to us is grace. That grace doesn't wait. Grace runs out to greet you. Grace wraps its arms around you and embraces you. Yeah, yeah grace may listen to a confession, but it's not going to take groveling and payment. Grace, grace gives you unconditional forgiveness. Grace gives you unconditional love because that's what grace is. Grace welcomes you back into the family. Grace welcomes you home. And that's the home that Jesus has made for you. That no matter when you've walked away from God or ran away from Him, no matter what sins still seem to plague your memory, no matter how small or big those things seem to be, your Father is that Father waiting on the front porch for you, ready to see you in the distance and run and wrap His arms around you and welcome you back home because your home is grace. You live and reside in grace, which is the greatest home ever and one that you never want to leave. But I said at the beginning, there's two sons here. We talked about the first son, which was the youngest, but there is a second son who is the oldest of the sons. And before we talk about him, I want you to really focus on trying to put yourself in his shoes. Because I think the, the thousand times that you've heard this parable before, we, we might look past the older son a bit or, or fail to really appreciate what was going through his head as all of this was, was happening. Because he was there. He was there when his, when his youngest brother came to his father and asked for his estate. He was there when his youngest brother took off and left behind the wreckage and the pain and the hurt behind him. He was there to pick up the extra work that, that that younger brother used to do, and now the older brother has to do that work too. And that older brother, he worked hard. He worked hard for his father, all while his younger brother was gone off doing who knows what. And so when that older brother comes in from the field and hears that his brother is home, all of those emotions and all of those thoughts are what he's carrying with him. He's not so happy that his younger brother is, is home. In fact, he doesn't even want to refer to him as his younger brother. Did you notice what, what he called him to his father? He didn't call him his brother. He said, your son. Your son. He doesn't even want to be associated with his brother or the hurt that his brother caused. And maybe there's a part of us that can't really blame him, right? This older brother had been there and worked hard for his father. And you could imagine how in this older brother's mind, he thought that that might have earned him at least a little something with his father. He thought that that might have earned him at least a little honor and respect with his father. But, but he never got a party. He never got a feast. The father never killed a fattened calf for him or gave him a ring or a robe or, or sandals. What the older brother failed to understand was that what made the father's house a home 
was grace. What made the, the father's house a home and what made that home so great was grace. What the older brother proved to us is that you don't have to run away from home to not be at home. He was at home this whole time, yet he wasn't really at home. His words reveal that, that he was working not because he loved the father, not because he appreciated his blessings, because he wanted to earn something with his father. His words reveal that, that he didn't know what made his father's home so great anyways, because if he did, he would be rejoicing. He would be joined in the party with the father and being happy that his brother came back. When we make our relationship with God about our works, when, when we think that, that our obedience gives us a little tally mark before God, when we despise the grace that God is giving to someone else, someone that we, we think doesn't deserve it, we may feel like we're at home, but we're very far away from home. We've walked away from God's home of grace and failed to really understand what grace is. Yet even for that son, even for that person, the father reaches out in grace. He says this, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. No matter where you are, in life, no matter which son you see in yourself more, grace is what welcomes you home. Grace is what welcomes you home and makes a home for you, even when you think that, that you can find something better out there, something better away from the Father. Grace is there to welcome you back and make a home. Grace is there to welcome you back and make a home even when you fail to realize what makes that home so great in the first place. Grace welcomes you back. Grace makes a home, and through Jesus, you are home. And there's no place like home. Amen.